Misunderstanding is a pretty common thing among human beings, sometimes uh, leading to comedic results. We've even had entire comedy routines developed around the idea of misunderstanding and miscommunication. Abbott and Costello, who's on first routine, comes to mind. And Jesus, no doubt, experienced many instances of human misunderstanding, some recorded by the different gospel writers, which looking at 2,000 years later, and knowing the Jesus narrative pretty well, we can easily spot and laugh about it even a little. Earlier in Matthew's account, after feeding the 5,000, Jesus and his disciples retreat, and the disciples forget to bring their bread, and Jesus says to his disciples, be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. The disciples then begin discussing bread amongst themselves, saying, it's because we didn't bring any bread. And Jesus replies along the lines, why are you talking about bread? Don't you remember the five loaves and the 5,000 people? I'm not talking to you about bread. I'm telling you to be on your guard about the teachings of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Or perhaps we can look at the gospel according to John, when Jesus, noting that Lazarus had been dead for two days, and he says to the disciples, Lazarus has fallen asleep. I am going there to wake him up. To which his disciples say, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. It's just misunderstandings. And these are moments that reading about them now, we can find some humor in them. They're simple misunderstandings by good, albeit sometimes confused people. The account we just heard, however, highlights a whole different kind of misunderstanding. At issue are the concepts about the temple and what it means to be the Messiah. Caiaphas lives in a world where the temple in Jerusalem is the supreme authority over the Jewish people. And he lives in a world where he is the anointed one, the high priest in charge of the temple. To seek forgiveness, to seek healing, to seek the presence of God, one goes to where all believe God dwells. They go to the temple. Caiaphas knows about Jesus. He knows Jesus has a large following and is leading some kind of kingdom movement. If Caiaphas is paying attention to what Jesus is saying, he might actually be excited to know what God is doing through Christ. But he's not. He's too concerned with the status quo. He's concerned with governing people, and keeping them safe, and keeping those who are in charge firmly entrenched at the top. And what mattered was keeping the peace, keeping the peace amongst the people, and keeping the peace with Rome. Jesus, on the other hand, is not particularly interested in anything that has to do with political systems. He lives in a world where he's pronouncing God's forgiveness. He's healing. He's bringing God's love, God's joy, God's peace to all who will receive it. And he's bringing it well outside the walls of the temple in Jerusalem and well beyond the reach of the authorities there. 
And through Jesus, God breaks out of the temple mold. And God dwells in Jesus. Jesus is the temple. Two worlds. Two concepts of the temple. And the sad thing is that the building of the temple of Jerusalem can exist and function well with Jesus in the world if Caiaphas and those in charge would focus on what Jesus has to offer. They might even feel a sense of relief, an ease of burden after carrying that heavy load of authority. Sadly, they are not focused on that. They are focused on the way they already understand the ways of the world, the role of the temple, their role as keepers of the peace, stewards of the status quo. They really do not understand the concept of God's dwelling within Jesus, the concept of Jesus' as temple. And this becomes very obvious in the appearance before Caiaphas and the great council. They are already looking to condemn, to condemn Jesus to death because they do not understand him. They fear him. And so they come up with all sorts of charges. And the one that sticks originally, the one they try to pin him with, is that he said he would destroy the temple and raise it up within three days. It's a threat against the temple, a threat of violence. Well, never mind that he actually did not say that he would destroy it. The point is they don't even understand the temple of which he speaks. And perhaps that is why Jesus remains silent to that charge at first. Jesus comes among the people of God, heals them, forgives them, brings God to them, and they do not understand. They are focused on the wrong things, living in a different kind of world. What can Jesus say at this point? Jesus is not the kind of Messiah anyone expects. They are speaking a different language. And though things get out of hand here, the Sanhedrin and probably Caiaphas were not bad people. They were decent people with normal problems and looking at the world in a normal kind of way. I imagine they were the type of people who would fit well in many of our churches today, in positions of leadership, lay and ordain. And I imagine that they just wanted to keep public peace and avoid conflict, just like we. These were God's people who had a sense of decency and goodness. And some of them represented the best of, of the Jewish faith, of what the Jewish faith had to offer, and the best of, of what the Roman order had to offer. And yet the best of the world, the best that the world had to offer, misunderstood Jesus and condemned him to death. And we, we continue this tradition as a people. It's not that we are wicked. It's simply that we are interested in keeping the status quo. We are interested in playing it safe. We fail to recognize, to embrace, and protect the love that God still sends into the world. And we remain silent in the face of injustice, and we remain silent when we see distortions in God's created order. We often speak a different language than Jesus, 
and we have a different set of expectations. So we find ourselves here today, another year, another Good Friday. If the Jesus story is ours, then the whole story is ours. We cannot let ourselves off the hook too easily. Jesus was condemned by people just like you and me. And we continue to participate in the same systems. Our human goodness is not enough. Yet somehow, some way, we are not lost to God. The love that extended well beyond the Temple of Jerusalem, the love we still do not fully understand, will extend even beyond the cross, beyond death to find us. Condemnation is not the end. But first, we must sit and ponder and repent.